You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Uh, the weekend is almost here. Uh, do I look a little exhausted? I was up until like midnight last night. That's like me being up to like 4 or 5 a.m. I overslept this morning. Uh, and that's because last night I went to the premiere of uh, Candace Owens's new documentary, uh, the, the Greatest Lie Ever Sold, The Rise of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. They had an awesome event here in Nashville that I attended. Kept me out very late, so I'm, I'm a little bit uh, weary, but I'm inspired because we have a lot to talk about, and we have two great guests here in studio. Lauren Chin is back with us, as is Bryson Gray, uh, return. Bryson was here earlier this or just yesterday. He was on the show. He we t taped that on Tuesday, but he was just on the show yesterday, and now he's back. They were at the event last night as well. The the premiere of Candace's documentary. Uh, we'll be joined today by Shamika Michelle and Royce White. Uh, it's Thursday. I will have my pay your mortgage picks. Uh, for Bet DSI, I'll give you some, got some great football advice. I think I went one, one, and one uh, last week. Uh, we'll see if I can do better with my three picks today. Before we get into the discussion, I just want to take care of a little bit of business so that we can open up some space because I think this conversation today is going to be very interesting and and a bit complicated and compelling. And so I want to give us plenty of time to unpack everything. So. Let me tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Halloween is right around the corner, and if you need a scary story to tell someone, to make them awake, to make them lie awake at night, just tell them their grocery meat is wearing a costume with a product of USA label. It's actually from overseas. That store-bought meat can have scary bacteria, and because it's imported, you don't know where it's actually coming from. Plus, the cost. Don't even get me started on those frightening inflated prices. You know who doesn't have spooky meat? Good ranchers. They deliver America's best meat and seafood to you year round. Right now they're throwing a huge October feast where you can get over four pounds of meat for free, two pounds of their Wagyu ground beef and two and a half pounds of their better than organic chicken for free with any purchase of one of their bundle boxes. Treat yourself this Halloween and head on over to goodranchers.com fearless to claim your special October feast offer today. Good Ranchers lets you save $25 on every box and locks in your price when you subscribe. Put an end to your terrifying meat buying experiences by visiting goodranchers.com fearless to get over four free pounds of high quality beef and chicken. The real monster isn't in your closet, 
It's in your local grocery store. Take control over your food with an October feast from Good Ranchers, American Meat Delivered. All right, with that little bit of business out of the way, I want to initially give my thoughts on, first of all, the event that the Daily Wire put on last night in celebration, in promotion of, in support of Candace Owens' uh, documentary, uh, I was about to say, what is a woman? The Greatest <laughs> Lie Ever Sold. But not one of the best events I feel like I've been to here in Nashville. Kanye West was in Nashville supporting Candace Owens uh, and supporting this documentary. I kind of suspected that uh, last week when Kanye uh, put out messages about BLM and I said, you know, he ended up on Tucker Carlson and I said, I think some of this is a promotion of Candace's documentary about BLM and uh, to no one's surprise, there was Kanye West, Kid Rock, and then what really blew me away, Ray J was with Kanye in Nashville in support of this documentary. Ray J, <laughs> I'm like, hold up. Ray J put out the sex tape with Kid. Well, have you been watching Candace's show? No. Okay, so she is going all in on Kim Kardashian actually being part of orchestrating the release of the sex tape and then going and playing the victim and blaming it all on Ray J. So I think that's how she got in touch with him. That's, oh, so you, who, you think Candace got in touch with Ray J, not Kanye didn't bring Ray J? I'm not sure, any, I, don't, I don't know, but Candace has been coming to Ray J's defense in that whole thing, because uh, there are some leaked messages or voicemail from Kim Kardashian leaving messages on Ray J, really just tearing into him. Doesn't seem like she's the nicest person, so I think Ray J probably appreciated that, because he's gotten a really bad rap from that whole situation. It looked like they came in, <clears throat> it looked like Ray J and Kanye came in together when I looked. So that's why I was confused. I was like, it looked like they came together. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Mind-blowing that this would go on here in Nashville. And again, Kid Rock, I, I took Nick Searcy, who was in the Daily Wire movie, Terror on the Prairie, but he's Nick Searcy was in one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Justified. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but he played the character of Art. Uh, and sat right next to him, talked to him last night. Uh, there were a that was a star-studded. Kobe Covington wasn't he there? I believe, yeah. Kobe Covington said he listens to my music when he works out. Oh wow! And I was like, I was so confused. <laughs> and he was like, I need your number now. And he said, I know your girlfriend from your live streams. I said, Kobe Covington. I was like, what? So yeah, that was that was interesting. So I don't want to sit here and just gas up the Daily Wire, but I gotta gas up the Daily Wire. That's major. That was a major event last night. Th th that, that's a great look for the Daily Wire and just their impact on the culture. Yeah, and I think it's important because I've been to other kind of screeners of these political documentaries, and it's all, usually just a bunch of political commentators, news pundits, obviously the people who you think would be interested in this type of thing, but that doesn't really impact culture, right? You're not really reaching a new audience. You're not making a splash like a Michael Moore documentary would where it's actually more culturally relevant than just being on Fox News. So uh, I, obviously Fox News is still great promotion. Let's do some of that, but it's great to see actually kind of becoming mainstream films like this because it needs to happen.
is it also an indication like celebrities are starting to get more comfortable coming out of the closet like I ain't really down with this far left wing stuff? Of course, it's getting more mainstream. You see all the rappers coming out saying they support uh, conservative values and they support Trump. Um, so I think it's becoming more mainstream to not be afraid to, to come out and say your belief systems. And I think Kanye was part of the person that revolutionized that right there. Definitely. So uh, there's a the big story about who was there. Maybe the bigger story was about who wasn't there. Uh, I didn't see Ben Shapiro, Jeremy Boring, Matt Walsh. Was Michael Knowles there? I didn't. I don't. Not that I saw. Nope. Not, not that. And so, from what I understand, uh, Kanye's appearance perhaps dampened the enthusiasm of a lot of people from the Daily Wire. Have, have, did you guys hear that? Sense that? Yeah. So when Kanye put out his now infamous tweet, DeathCon Three, and I like yeah. how. You know, DEFCON goes from one to five. I have a feeling he's not really sure which one was worse, so he just split down the middle. Let's go with three. All right. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, when that happened, Candace on her show, she did cover that. And she didn't really, she was being painted as defending him. Essentially, what she said was, I'm not really sure where he was going with that because they went and banned him right away which is absolutely true. I would love to say whether he was or was not being what they're accusing him of, but I don't think we have enough evidence because they right, right, immediately yeeted him off of that. Um, so when that happened, I, I was curious to see what the rest of the folks at the Daily Wire would say. And we've had Ben Shapiro, he condemned what uh, Kanye said as anti-Semitic. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's specifically why we could only speculate on the outside, but I have a feeling that that definitely does have something to do with it. Um, because I can't imagine why else they wouldn't want to be part of promoting this event that their company has put obviously so much time and effort into. I, and it's only through rumor and speculation, and so I've never said this, but I'm going to say it now because I think last night there's perhaps some evidence that Candace's relationship with the Daily Wire is pretty rocky, that she's not the favorite person over at the Daily Wire. Not everybody, she, she's not a part of the big group under the umbrella. And, and so some of that I've always heard was like, you know, she's kind of got a prickly personality. Uh, and and I, I could see that, but now I'm starting, it's maybe they just don't, politically aligned and their umbrella doesn't allow for people to perhaps have different thoughts. <clears throat> My thing with the Kanye situation though, is even with Candace, because uh, usually when I went to the Candace show a few times, Michael Knowles was in the back, uh, everybody was there having a good time. I think this Kanye West thing might have messed it up, but I don't get it. DEFCON 3 was more like a, a reference to how he's about to go what we would call full Kanye mode. That's pretty much what he was saying in the tweet. He didn't say anything, literally nothing in that tweet was anti-Semitic. So anti-Semitic is the new homophobic, it's the new racist, uh, and I see a lot of right-wing pundits falling for that, falling for that trap, just painting somebody with a, with a brush because they said something you disagree with. And it's nothing to even disagree with. It's true that Jews, secular Jews mainly, own the music industry. It's true that they own the media. It's true that they own, they own, they own a lot of these things. That's just a verifiable objective truth. I don't understand how it's anti-Semitic to say an objective truth. So own 
is a strong word, very influential in those industries. Is that not more accurate? No, I literally mean like literally, if you look it up, look up the owners. I'm, I'm not I'm not joking. Like this is not like I'm not saying anything. I keep the Sabbath. I keep Yom Kippur. I keep all the Jewish holidays. I keep all the feasts, Feast of Tabernacles. But that I can't deny a truth because of that. So if you look up the owners, look up the big three record labels and look up the owners and tell me what you what you find out. Well, well the thing is that Jewish people are the white people of white people in that they're the group that is very successful, disproportionately so. And uh, what I find kind of curious about the whole Kanye thing is that he's for some time now kind of been talking about these issues. Like he talks about a lot of issues facing the black community and he's very critical sometimes of a lot of behavior that is, uh, you know, some might say that he's contributed to, uh, especially with his, like the rap culture, uh, you know, some of the, I guess, less upstanding behavior, and, but he's been really critical of it. No one says anything about it. You know, he wore a, a shirt saying white lives matter. He started to talk a, bit, a little bit more about uh, racial politics. No one says anything about it. I think it's all right if you want to say we can make any generalizations about groups ever, but be consistent about it. So for people to say Kanye West can't, you know, talk about his own experiences in the music industry, but he could talk about white people, black people, all these other groups. It seems like you're, you're, you have two standards, and I don't think that's fair for Kanye. I agree with you. Um, I, I, I get the same heat that he gets for being critical of so-called black culture. And, and I use that term black culture. And, and really, I don't even really believe in that in terms of because I don't think there's a black culture. I think there's family culture. And then there's a culture that has a destroyed family <laughs> structure that the left has promoted. And when you and so when I look at videos and I see uh, kids with my skin color doing crazy things and it's, they pop up all over social media, I go, that's a product of our family crisis and, and destruction. Some people will label it as a black problem. I label it as a problem of family structure and culture. But I talk about black culture because 75% of our kids are growing up in these destroyed, tattered families. This is the chaos that comes out of that. But I, yes, I, and so I talk about it all the time. I've had a career talking about these issues. I talk about white people and things and th that I see from them. And then there seems to be this line that you cannot cross that if you say, hey, uh, who is, and again, I lived out in Hollywood and Los Angeles for 10 years. I know who has an enormous influence on the Hollywood industry. And it is the secular, non-religious Jewish people. And I think there's an unhealthy relationship, and I tweeted about this, between black celebrities and this very influential group of people that claim to be Jewish, but they're not religious Jews, that, that there's an unhealthy relationship. And my criticism is of both groups. They're perfectly fine with me criticizing black people, but if I mention the other group, I get into hot water. And, 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 and it's one of those deals, I thought about it this morning, is people are very comfortable saying black leadership how come they won't call out their own? How come they won't call out, uh, how come Al Sharpton won't 
criticize what obvious mistakes he sees in black culture and among black kids. And, and I think there are some people that saying to Jewish leadership, religious Jew, how, how come y'all won't call out this thing that's going on with people claiming your identity and, and have an outsized influence in a lot of things that I think people of faith, whether it's Judaism or Christianity or even Muslim, how come we can't call out this group that seems so bought into this secular culture. Uh, it's, a, it's a complicated issue. I, t I defended Kanye because I believe he writes inartfully, talks a little inartfully, and it was unclear, like what is he really saying? Because I read the tweet and, and I, I read it as him saying, oh, I'm about to criticize these people that are holding me back. I don't hear it as, oh, I'm gonna kill all well, these people. People were saying it was a direct threat to yeah. Jewish people, and I think that's why he got banned, uh, because of the whole death con thing. A lot of people, oh, that's a threat. He's threatening violence. I don't, I think he actually thought DEFCON was DEFCON. And as Candace pointed out, that is a defensive thing. Now, I'm not even saying, don't criticize Kanye, but it's like, it's kind of, I think, a little bit troubling how now it seems like the right is just as eager to cancel him over something he didn't even get to finish saying, perhaps we may have liked it or may not have. Um, and it's, if we can't really claim to be against cancel culture while also doing it for different reasons, but essentially to the same people. Uh, it's kind of disappointing to see that. I'm, I'm used to this. Um, when I got banned on TikTok, when I had 400,000 followers, it was not liberals that banned me. Conservatives that claimed they was conservatives started a hashtag called Cancel Bryson. And they went and reported all of my videos, and it worked. I got banned on TikTok. It wasn't liberals. Liberals had nothing to do with me getting banned. It was conservatives, people that claimed to be conservatives, because I'm the biggest uh, homophobe in history, obviously. So. Mm. But what I, what I like about Candace, and I will say, is that she is someone who does, I don't think you can tell Candace what to say, right? I mean, because there are several issues uh, where she's kind of gone against the drum of what I think maybe other folks at the Daily Wire think. Uh, most recent example is Russia, right? She's very, uh, I guess, against uh, kind of making out Russia to be enemy number one of the United States when, I mean, let's face it, there are bigger challenges facing American people than what Putin is doing, right? And this happened before the invasion in Ukraine and uh, some of the other folks at the Daily Wire, they're, they're frankly kind of neocons. And I could see maybe some friction with those two viewpoints, but as long as, you know, Daily Wire folks keep letting Candace be Candace, I think that's good. Base you know? Lauren, base Lauren chain, everybody. I, I, I'm concerned if that's going to continue. When, I, when they don't show up for this documentary, that seems to be an indication of a real problem. Let me, I wanna to move to the documentary uh, and, and I wanna start here. Anybody that's watched this show or seen me talk about Candace and other venues, I have not been the biggest Candace supporter. Uh, you know, I, I support her over Twitter and, and things like that, but you know, I, it would be fair to say I've been lukewarm on Candace. I thought her speech at the before the plane of the documentary was brave, accurate, bold, uh, hit my heart. She talked about God. She talked about family. 
Uh, she talked about the, the, the corrosion of the education system and all, and she talked about, you know, that we have to lean into our values and things like that. Loved it. And I'm really, for me, and maybe it's because I haven't paid close enough attention, but I hadn't seen her talk about God. And I always thought that was like a missing element. And to see her on the stage, big night for her, and to talk about God, loved it. That's why I'm a little bit uh, disappointed that I'm going to have to say I wasn't as thrilled with the documentary as I thought I would be. Uh, I, I did. It wasn't as compelling as I hoped. I'm going to hold my tongue there because I don't want to color anybody else's opinion. How compelling did you find the documentary? So I think there's so much to be said about Black Lives Matter. And it's easy for me, who did not make the documentary, to say how I would have done it. Um, but the thing with Black Lives Matter is that there's so much going on. You can talk about what the riots happened that took place. You could talk about the media's involvement and kind of covering for the whole thing, which they did. You could also talk about BLM as an organization. And I think BLM as an organization, there's a lot more that could be said because they have released a manifesto that actually goes into things, how they are for the abolition of the family. They say this, they're Marxists, they, they, it's part of their identity. Uh, the same with the founders. This is an ideology that has its roots in far leftism and like radical, not just uh, racial politics, but also economic politics. Like they are for essentially getting rid of the entire capitalist system. They are against things like body cams for cops, which if you're actually for police accountability, does not at all make sense. Um, so, you know, that's, if I were to do an expose talking about BLM, I would go into this so people know, hey, this is what your money is going to supporting just as the organization itself. And Candace does what I thought was the most compelling part of the documentary, go into a little bit of a breakdown of, okay, BLM raised $80 million around after George Floyd's death. Where did that go to? She talks about how a lot of it ended up going to trans organizations for some reason. Um, I would love to see, you know, she did this once, show up at the address where they claim it's for black people and do an expose. This is where they say the money is going, but, but it's nothing, right? Uh, I think there could have been more investigative work done in, in that area. I'm not gonna lie, I liked it. I still liked it, I still <clears throat> liked it. The reason why. I try to look at it from a lens of somebody like from where I'm from, just watching that probably supported BLM. How would they how would they view it, right? She showed both sides. She gave her true opinion on her on how she viewed the George Floyd situation, but she also let George Floyd uh, friends paint their picture of George Floyd. And she didn't really combat that in any way. They were talking about him reading the Bible, his favorite Bible verses. She didn't interrupt and be like, no, she let it happen. She did the same thing to Derek, Derek Chauvin. She let his people paint the picture of him how they want it with no interruption. So I think that was pretty much, I think that was in a, a, a stance of getting both sides. And then I think she exposed BLM. Because when I saw it, I had to close my eyes a few times, obviously, uh, during the documentary, the stuff they were showing. But it showed you where the money went to. She called every single number and only one picked up. She exposed that they, which we already know, they do pay protesters to come out, things of that nature. But all their money didn't go to nothing, had to do with nothing about black people. It was pure LGBT stuff. That's all the money went to. It's, a, it's an LGBT organization. And in the most gangster part, though, that I thought was gangster, when we figured out BLM didn't give no money to his roommates, she paid George Floyd back rent and got that car towed. I thought that was gangster. That was a gangster move by Candace right there. I don't know if it came out of her pocket or the wire pocket, <laughs> but it was gangster nonetheless. I would imagine it came out of her pocket. Listen, here's, here's what I'll say. 
when you're dealing with uh, an issue as complicated, as controversial, uh, and as important as this issue, and this is the journalist in me, and she didn't grow up a trained journalist, but she needs to move herself to the background. She was too much in the foreground. And so that which muddies up the issue. And so uh, th this was, it wasn't really a documentary, it was a monologue. And that's why I like the back half of it. Most of it was just her talking, and there was a way, and, and Lauren used the word investigation. What, what should have happened is they should have hired an investigator or two to go out and really, we got these IRS documents, let's go out and really investigate these companies. You can't leave things. When she pointed out that uh, uh, they wrote a check for $2.3 million to a guy that appeared to be a friend of hers, I, we gotta take the word appear out. And someone has to go do the investigation, get to the bottom of that, don't leave, well, you can figure it out or infer and do the investigation. And so a lot of the things she unpacked would have been more powerful if she had been sitting there interviewing the investigator that they hired who's now unpacking. They cut this check for 500000 to this transgender group and blah, blah, blah. Again, it's about moving yourself to the background. Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 Mules. He's more in the background. He spread the commentary out. And this, don't anybody hear this is me saying, hey, I, she should have made me a part of the documentary. But what Dinesh did, what Dennis Prager, uh, Charlie Kirk, Larry Elder, somebody I can't remember, they're all sitting around a table and reacting to the information and giving insight and thought. Candace, and again, this is part of the criticism, this is probably a product of being youthful, probably a product, don't be offended, Lauren, being a woman, liking <laughs> attention, liking the spotlight. Love, she's a beautiful woman. Based. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman who makes love to the camera. I get why she likes being on the camera, but for a documentary on an issue this important, back up, let, let the content, and then streamline the content, because what the documentary should have been is the aftermath. Here's what happened after George Floyd died. Love the part where they explain what happened to the TV reporter in Minneapolis. I hadn't heard about that. Before, very powerful, either. very powerful what happened to this, this an innocent bystander who had her career ruined for nothing other than being married to the wrong man, uh, who's not Derek Chauvin, just a cop in Minneapolis. Uh, love how they show what happened to the store owner in Los Angeles, store looted, blah, blah, blah loved, would have done it a little bit better, showing the how they've turned where George Floyd got killed into like a shrine for what black Jesus. This that is was so, weird. It's so it's sacrilegious. Yeah, that it's, was weird. It's 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 not it's satanic. It's not weird, it's satanic. Facts. <laughs> and, so, Facts. and so this is the aftermath of George Floyd. All of this is very and then when you throw on and you know why they did this? Because it would have connected to the what is a woman deal. They did it in support of the transgender and gay movement and uh, black people, you are being used in this satanic movement that's turned George Floyd into Jesus and is empowering 
the transgender and LGBT and the alphabet mafia, you're being used. That would have been a more, I didn't, George Floyd's friends, I didn't need it. Way too early in the documentary, there's a defense of Derek Chauvin. I actually agree with Candace. George Floyd more than likely died of a drug overdose. But don't put that in the front of the movie if you want people to, <laughs> to engage. You no, done I pissed off a bunch of people and they like, peace out. Well, that's the, the thing. Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, what happened in that trial? I love true crime. That's its own movie. That's its own movie if you actually want to get into all of this. And we have people who have tried to replicate the knee, uh, which is, was a, a defense or a tactic that the Minneapolis police was teaching them to do at the time. Now it's been obviously taken off the books. But there was so much more you could have said into that that I agree. If, if you're going to kind of come to Derek Chauvin's defense, you, I, I, I think you, you got to give your reasoning first. Because otherwise, there are people who have been told he's a white supremacist murderer. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I see that. <clears throat> oh, no, it was way that. too yeah, I, see that. I, 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 see I watched that. that and I was like, oh, ain't nobody, people are turning it off or they'll hear about it and never watch. If you want to get to the back end of this and then say, after you've given, here's the aftermath, and then tell me a little bit about George Floyd and Derek Chauvin and this guy's in prison for 22 years and the guy died of a drug overdose. And again, cause they didn't even put it, you know, I didn't know this, but someone had to say, you know, Derek Chauvin weighs 165 pounds. Mm -hmm. He's a little guy. Yeah, yeah. and 165 six, pounds. Six, six? No, Derek Chauvin. Oh, Derek Chauvin, Derek George Floyd, George Floyd, weighed again. 240, and again, he pretty yoked up based off of what the pictures I, I saw. Derek Chauvin weighed 165 pounds. You look at that picture and you think a 220 pound man has got his knee, 165, that's a small dude. Yep. It's a whole, but... That's like me when I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it just, this thing could have been unpacked more powerful. And so I guess what I would say at the end, my respect for Candace Owens has elevated based off this whole thing, what she's dealing with, doesn't have the kind of support, it doesn't seem at the Daily Wire that she should. She's certainly independent, she's strong-willed, loved her speech last night. She needs help. She needs help, and, and she may not know that she needs help, uh, but she does need help, and that's no shot at anybody uh, that is helping her, but she needs better help. Well, and I think your criticisms are valid, and I think they kind of speak to the fact that this movie was made by people who already don't like BLM. They already know it's, it's a bad organization, so let's just expose them even further. But it's almost like part of it also wants to be speaking to the people who do still support BLM and need to be informed. You can't really play to both audiences at the same time, right? So you kind of have to, with this documentary, do you decide, okay, do you want to appeal to the Ben Shapiro's of the world who already hate BLM? Or do you maybe want to talk to the Kanye's of the world who are independent thinkers and who are willing to, to, to listen to this? And I mean, kind of tying it back to the premiere event, I say good on Candace on having Kanye there because people like Ben Shapiro, they already don't like BLM. If we actually want to get more people on board with the message, we need to break through echo chambers. Uh, but with the documentary, you can kind of see that the people who made it were not of that mind. They were making it for a conservative audience. I will say, after you said that thing about uh, the Derek the Chauvin thing was way too early, I actually agree with that. 
I feel like she should have exposed what they spent their money on first to paint the picture already and then went to George Floyd and then at the end brought in the George, uh, the, the Derek Chauvin thing. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I love your point because that is my takeaway was like, oh, this movie ain't for black people. Mm. It's not for people that still have some kind of fraudulent view of Black Lives Matter. It's preaching to a choir. And the choir loved it last night. The audience, people were clapping and people seemed to be really into it. But the whole time I kept thinking this ain't gonna land with the people that need to be moved. And if you do a movie that lands with the people that need to be moved, the choir is gonna rejoice even louder. The people that's already on your team, because again, what, 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 it's like no different than people's write to me all the time that, uh, man, your column, that's everything I wanted to say but didn't know how to say. And that's what Candace had an opportunity to deliver. The people that already hate BLM, they want to know how to communicate a message to the people that, that think BLM was great or harmless or whatever. And, and she had an opportunity to, to speak directly. This thing isn't harmless. It's taking you in a satanic direction. And here's the proof of it. All the money or a big portion of the money all went to transgender and LGBT. And let me show you right here in the Bible where this is crazy and satanic that your money is being used and your race is being used and your pain is being used to promote something that God is against. Romans 1, Leviticus 20:13, Leviticus 18. Um, I can go off a million Bible verses. What I will say is I feel like that point can, I feel like that point can still get pushed. <clears throat> and the reason why I said that is because I've never seen the documentary What is a Woman? But I feel like I have because all the clips on TikTok, all the clips on Instagram, so I feel like the, 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 the clips can most like, will most likely get more popular than the actual documentary itself. So I feel like it's our job really to take the best parts of it. It is. I, I would like, it, it's no, this show is dedicated. And again, there's, there's parts of this show that are secular because, you know, I'm in a struggle, my own personal struggle. <laughs> of cleaning up all of my behavior and the way that I talk. But this show, every day, I want ministers, if they're inclined, black, white, whomever, to be able to tell their congregation, hey, you should watch Fearless, or watch this episode of Fearless. It, it, it supports our worldview. And, 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 it, and it's intended to nourish and edify people that have faith. And I felt like her, that documentary should be the same. It's, it needs to be digested whole, not in clips for it to have ultimate impact. I, 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 you know, I'm sitting here and I wasn't thinking this at the time, but as I talk this through and think this through, because, you know, some of it, you know, you guys helped me understand everything that was going on this morning or this afternoon when you guys walked in the studio, we had a conversation. So I'm thinking this through in real time. I'm going to reach out to Candace. Uh, and they've asked me to be on her show many, many times. I've never responded, but that's I, I, cold. Huh? That's cold. <laughs> that's cold. Yeah. Well, you didn't respond to be on Candace's show. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You, I could go on, but I, I won't. But I'm going to reach out because 
I'm telling you, I leave this whole experience feeling better about her, uh, but I, I just needs a little help. Uh, let me take care of a little bit more business. Uh, talk to you guys about uh, my friends over at Preborn. Almost one out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb because of abortion. It's the leading cause of infant death in the world. Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe v. Wade was enacted, and a lot more will be aborted in its wake. The Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media, we've partnered to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. They're working to put Planned Parenthood out of business by providing free ultrasounds to expecting mothers. 80% of the time, hearing that baby's heartbeat is enough to convince the mother to keep her baby. And when she chooses life, Preborn provides maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more, all for free. That's their level of commitment to the preservation of life. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women considering abortion. Nearly 190,000 babies have been saved. Will you help rescue babies' lives? To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or go to preborn.com fearless. Be a good little fearless soldier. Get in the fight, support preborn. There's nothing more courageous we can do. All right, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. I've been enjoying getting your emails. Most of them I read myself. Uh, sometimes the staff reads them, but I try to read most of them myself and I'm giving you guys uh, instant responses. All right, stick around, pay your mortgage picks. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, guys, I want to tell you about a fun way you can support me, this show, the whole fearless movement. Uh, if, you, if you're like me and you like to have a little fun on the weekends by having a little cash on the games, well, we got a new partner, BetDSI.com. This episode is brought to you by BetDSI.com. The NFL is back, football every weekend, college, pros, whatever. At BetDSI, you can make a bet and make extra money. Right now, my audience gets a 100% bonus match up to $1,000. That is double your money with the promo code WHITLOCK. Bet with me on the NFL, NBA, MMA, college football, whatever, and including politics. Play, win, get paid. If you want the opportunity to win big money, please visit BetDSI.com. Use the promo code Whitlock. We can even bet on the 2022 elections. BetDSI has been a leader in the industry for over a decade, and we are happy to have them on board. Go to BetDSI.com, promo code Whitlock. That's BetDSI.com, promo code Whitlock. Uh, please remember to bet responsibly. I certainly will and do. Uh, all right, guys, it's time for my pay your mortgage picks. I went one, one, and one uh, last week. We're going to do better. I got three pay your mortgage picks for you uh, this week. We'll start with Tampa Bay, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, minus eight uh, versus Pittsburgh. Let me tell you why I like Tampa Bay in this spot. Tom Brady's 12 and three all time against the Steelers. 
Steelers defense is banged up. They're missing TJ Watt. And here's what I really like. Todd Bowles' defense. I love them beating up Pittsburgh's rookie quarterback. The Pickett kid, he's gonna get baptized. I got Tampa Bay winning by double digits. Easy. That's my first and best pay your mortgage pick. All right, let's move to game number two. Los Angeles Rams versus Carolina. I like the Panthers here, plus 10 and a half. Rams offense, most disappointing unit in the NFL. Uh, P.J. Walker, the quarterback for Carolina, he's an upgrade from Baker Mayfield. Matt Stafford has been sacked 21 times. Panthers lose by a field goal. They cover, though. They cover the 10 and a half point spread. All right, and here's my least favorite pick, only because I'm picking against my Kansas City Chiefs, but I actually love this pick. Uh, the Chiefs are at home uh, playing Buffalo. The Chiefs are getting two and a half points. Buffalo minus two and a half. Chiefs winning, but they look shaky to me. Buffalo, I still believe, is the best team in the NFL. I know I'm doing something a little shady and stupid here because Patrick Mahomes, this is the first time in his career he's an underdog at home. But trust me here, guys, Buffalo is the best team in football. Bills will kick a field goal late to win by three. That's my pay your mortgage picks for this week. One, one, and one last week. We're going three and oh this week. Go to betdsi.com, use the promo code Whitlock. More fearless. X. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Going to roll out to North Carolina and bring in Shamika Michelle, who watched uh, the BLM, Candace Owens BLM documentary from home. She watched it over the internet uh, with her subscription to the Daily Wire. Uh, Can uh, Candace, <laughs> Shamika, you missed an incredible event uh, here in Nashville. You should have come to Nashville and attended the premiere with me. Uh, it was tremendous. Everybody I ran into, like Nick Sears, he was like, I know Shamika. Me and Shamika <laughs> talk all the time. And I'm like, for real? How you know Shamika? And everybody I ran into, all right, King Randall, ran into him last night. First name that fell out of his mouth. I know Shamika. So uh, I was amongst your people uh, last right. night. You missed a heck of an event. You should have had me as your plus one, Jason. I hadn't, I didn't know about <laughs> it. Yeah. Bryson's all right, my so. <laughs> I, he said that. Did you, do y'all know each other? Yes. Well, oh, Shamika, my homie. I've been I've been rocking with Shamika since day one. Yeah. Do, do you remember Shamika? Do you remember him from the three three six boys? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now you're gonna make me say my age. When I was actually going to school at Auntie, the area code was nine one zero. So I'm a little bit <laughs> just a teensy bit older than Bryson. <laughs> just a little bit. So I All remember right, uh, changed it. 
So let's get your thoughts on the documentary. I'll ask you this question. I'll ask these guys to chime in as well. Was uh, last night's documentary as good as Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? It wasn't as good as, as Matt Walsh's What is a Woman. Actually, for me, it was a little bit underwhelming. Only because I wanted her to pick BLM up, slam them on the ground, stomp on them, and then spit on them after she was done, you know. <laughs> and But, you know, she did give them a little two-piece. Uh, personally, I had tweeted a while ago that I was looking forward to this because, for me, it's like validation or justifying the way that I felt. Um, for a couple of years, I've just been going on gut instinct. Someone was nice enough to send me their old website where they were talking about dismantling the nuclear family. And so when I read that, I thought, well, the only way they like straight black men is, um, is when they're dead. So I've always been against BLM. And for me, this documentary just confirmed some things that I already felt. And so I was glad that she had the platform to actually do this, you know, the research that she did and give us some more information. But I heard you all, and I do believe that it was for conservatives, people that already agree with her. I want to twist up the what is a woman question a little differently in terms of if, if let's say what is a woman had not been released do we think maybe we would have a higher opinion of this documentary or did Matt Walsh set a bar so high that it's actually hurting my perception or perhaps our perception of this documentary? Well, the Matt Walsh documentary was definitely something very special. I think it's a great way to introduce the modern gender craziness to someone who doesn't even know about it, who's not even familiar with it. And even if you are someone who's like, oh, you know, I know such and such person, they're trans and I respect them, therefore I'm on board with it because they're a good person, they're my friend, it still exposes just how insane these people are going insofar as even trying to trans children. They don't even know what a woman is. And we were talking about it before. It's very clippable as well. It has so many great little segments that are easy to go viral on social media. And uh, it's, it's funny without the interviewees intending it to be just because they're so ridiculous. This film does not have as many of those viral moments, I don't think. Um, and, you know, if, if it's, it's hard to say how you could make it better to be on that same level. It doesn't mean it's not a good film. It's definitely absolutely worth watching if you're a Daily Wire Plus subscriber. But I think Matt Walsh's video, or movie rather, was definitely something special in its own league. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think the Matt Walsh documentary was like pure comedy. So it's easy to get a message out when you're laughing the whole time. Cause the re and I, I don't know if it was intended to, be, intended to be comedy, but it really was. When you ask people these questions, that is just hilarious. When he went to Africa, like, and I know this, and I've never even watched a full documentary. But uh, when, <laughs> when he went to Africa and, and asked them the same question, they, they laughing like, what are you even talking about right now? You know, so this, the Candace Owens documentary didn't have that um, comedic aspect to it. And it's not as clippable, but I think a lot of the parts where she goes through the money stuff, can, you can clip that up and put it on Tiki Top. There were some moments that, t that I thought were great, and Shamika, I'll bring you back in on this one. When she went to Patrice Culler's house, and, but they had already kind of shown this on social media, but it was the way they unpacked it in the documentary, I found it humorous, I found it compelling, I found it powerful. But it was undercut by one thing. And again, because she's 
basically making fun of Patrice Cullors, million dollar home or $2 million home. There's no black life. I can't see any black life anywhere and blah, blah, blah. It was hilarious. But I'm just telling you, I'm watching it and other people are watching it and they're going to be like, well, hold on. Candace is there with two white dudes. She, she ain't brought no, other than herself, she ain't brought no black life to, to this neighborhood or to this movie. And, and it, it, again, this is where I'm saying I think she needs some help. The whole fact that she went to Patrice Culler's house in a car, in a car service. She's in the back seat. She's got on diamond earrings. She's dressed like she's going to go play bridge in that neighborhood with a bunch of white conservative women. Again, I don't, I'm not denigrating anybody, but I'm just saying in terms of, if you wanna really convey the message and hit it home, there's just little small, little subtle tweaks that you make that make your point more powerful and compelling, which leads me to my next question. Why is Candace, was she the right messenger for this message? And I say that, and we'll have Royce on uh, later in the show, because when I started thinking about who would be the right messenger for this message, I thought of Royce White. I thought, and again, if he, he should have played, he's from Minneapolis, he participated in the George Floyd uh, protest or whatever. Anyway, was Candace the right messenger for this message? I think it depends on the audience, right? So I think there are a lot of people that she absolutely can reach and does reach, but then there are people that she will never reach. You know, that was the part I didn't like about her putting the Derek Chauvin stuff up front because I just felt like for those who already have their opinion of her, that's going to come across negatively. And I felt like they wouldn't get to some of the good stuff that I felt like they needed to get to. And so like for me, I wanted to wake up today and that would, would be all over social media, like people saying, girl, did you hear so-and-so? And we didn't have that. And I think maybe if it had been organized a little differently, we could have gotten some of that. But it's just so many people that are already against Candace that I think their ears are already closed. I was looking at that too, wishing that Royce was there because he is in Minneapolis. And so I just felt like, gosh, this would have been even better if we would have had somebody like Royce or people that can connect. You know, I got in trouble um, last year at CPAC because um, I said that, you know, we needed all types of conservative voices. I used the analogy of Will Smith and Carlton, and I was just saying that if they were both conservatives, there are people that Carlton can reach, and then there are people that Will can reach. And some people didn't like that analogy, but I think if we're all on the same team, which we are, we're trying to get conservative values to the Black community, I think we just have to all band together, put our differences aside, and make you know, use everybody to get to the message to who we need to get the message to. But I would have loved to see Royce in there. And I'll say this while I'm questioning the messenger and, and needs help is because what also is missing that was really prevalent in the Matt Walsh documentary, somebody that could have confronted an Al Sharpton, a Ben Crump, 
maybe got them to consent to an interview or just even a man on the street chasing them down, asking them questions about, hey, all this money went to transgenders. Like, ow, what are you going to? If there's that element, it takes the move. If these people that are supporters, Joy Reid or whoever supporters of this whole BLM stuff are confronted on camera and made to respond, documentary goes to another level. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant at the time she's taping a lot of this, and there's a lot of baggage that goes along with her. What, what do you think about me saying maybe she's not the right messenger? Well, I think this kind of goes to the fact that you mentioned Candace is at the forefront of this documentary the entire time. At the beginning, I think it's pretty clear that for Candace, this was personal. She's essentially doing this uh, to point out how she was vindicated about what she initially said about not supporting George Floyd. And she got a lot of flack at that time, was attacked by both conservatives and liberals. So I think that's why she's at the forefront. It's because she's trying to drive home the message. I was right. I was vindicated. I didn't deserve the hate that I got. Is that the same as doing an expose that's good for everybody and meant to change minds? Not necessarily, right? These are two pretty different goals. And not that one is better than the other, but I think it was more marketed as the, as the former uh, rather than I just, told you so. Yeah, is exactly. The, is what the documentary was. Um, and if, you know, speaking of she could have maybe interviewed more or at least tried to interview more of the people who were instrumental in Black Lives Matter, going off of what Shamika was saying, uh, she also could have interviewed people like just everyday black people whose lives were, if not not helped and also made worse by Black Lives Matter. There was that viral, unfortunate father who his house or property was burned down uh, because of the BLM riots. I mean, we had David Dorn, his wife, he was killed. I think his uh, murderer just got sentenced. But why not talk about those stories more rather than, you know, like you're saying, this is this is an imaging branding problem. You're talking to a wealthy store owner from L.A. You're talking to an Indian tech CEO about an email he sent that didn't go right. Right. So there is maybe a, a, a difference of audience there, depending on what kind of stories you're going to focus on. <clears throat> so I think she was the right person for that message because it wasn't I told you so uh, documentary. But if we want to change more minds, and I've said this multiple times, we need more black men at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, you know, women are getting pushed more than anything else to keep up with society, which is cool. Nothing wrong with it. Um, 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 I love Lauren, I love Shamika, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, uh, we need more black men in the, in the, in the forefront doing this because when, even when you look back at, um, Candace Owens thing she did with Revolt, it was two conservative women and Candace was the only one with any, uh, spark to her versus men versus a bunch of, versus a bunch of men. You know what I'm saying? So, so what you need there is you need more, even if it was just a, a couple men with Candace Owens, you know what I'm saying? You, we, we, we need to have more men there because, you know, like I'm not, I'm not about to, a woman, I'm going to keep it a band. A woman not going to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we got to step up and be willing. Uh, I'm not going to knock Candace's hustle, but are we stepping up to, to take those roles? Nope. That's why people like Candace, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a lot of them are necessary because women are uh, more emotional, but that makes them also more passionate. So they're willing to do the dirty work that men, you know, a lot of times. I will nag society into agreeing with me. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Shamika, I'm going to give you the final thought. Uh, Just Bryson bringing up that whole revolt summit, it would have been great to have a conservative man there and somebody that's 
that knows about hip hop. So like somebody like you, Bryson, would have been great. And that goes back to my message of saying we have to realize what messenger is needed for what audience, because we have to start getting the message out there. And if we don't utilize all of our voices, the message is going to go lost. Um, I, I didn't see the, the feedback that I wanted to from this. It was great that it was so star studded and people were there and supporting it. But I really wanted a body slam of BLM. And that is what I was missing from this whole experience. Shamika, I had told you we were going to talk about Brittany Renner's Crystal's commercial, but we're not because I don't think it fits. We'll do it tomorrow. Uh, I know uh, Brandon's upset or (laughs) Bryson's upset with me because uh, he wanted to get in. I call her an Instagram harlot Uh, (laughs) and he wanted to get. But we'll we'll do it. We'll do it tomorrow. Uh, So I'm going to let you go. But Bryson, I, I. You're right about uh, men stepping up. And so, you know, I'm gonna put some pressure on you. You you gotta be one of the, and again, you are doing your part with the music and all that other stuff, but I'm gonna try to put you in position so that the next time they revolt does something like that, they have to bring you on. We gotta hear you talk and the music is great, uh, but you know, this show is about trying to elevate other voices and, and to get everybody in the game, uh, because we do need that. We need the young people. And that's why, again, I told you and Lauren, I, I think it was before we were on air, it's like, you young guys, young people have next. So you're very talented, and, and we just got to lift y'all up and make sure. And not, look, you're all doing great. Uh, but I, I guess I'm just trying to, whatever credibility I have, I'm trying to glom on or attached to y'all so uh, anyway thank you guys so much thank you uh i think you're done yeah you guys are both done i'm gonna talk to royce white um, <laughs> myself so all right get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless uh we're gonna hear from royce white Next. Let's roll out to Minneapolis and a man that knows the George Floyd story very, very well, uh, Royce White, uh, regular, obviously, Fearless Army soldier. Royce, uh, did you get a chance to watch Candace Owens' documentary? Want to know your take? I think you you may have the best take or certainly the most insider take on this issue. So love to hear your thoughts. Well, it's been a long time since you and I, you know, talked about George Floyd here on the show and and the uh, the audience has grown substantially since then. So it's you know, it's it's completely possible that many people listening today won't won't have ever, you know, heard me speak on this topic before. So in full transparency, you know, I'm, I'm from Minneapolis. I was born and raised here and I lived here most of my life. And when the George Floyd situation happened, um, I led a number of peaceful protests, about 12 or 13 peaceful protests in the wake of the fires, you know, right right after the fires had broken out two, two days later, um, I led these peaceful protests. And um, it, it, it was interesting to watch the, the Candace Owens documentary primarily because I was on the ground at the time. And um, 
you know, just first in, in full clarity, like at the protest that I led, I, I led what you would consider a counter protest. Right. I, I didn't like the narrative and I certainly didn't like the chaos and carnage that was taking place in, in a neighborhood that I had grown up in. Um, so I, I went to the front line and I said, look, why, why are we at the police precinct in the first place? What is going on here? What 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 kind of scam are we running on ourselves? What kind of self-deception is this? Uh, if we want to talk about the whole system being guilty. Um, let me walk you a few blocks down to the Federal Reserve, uh, because from a systemic standpoint, they have much more culpability uh, than the than the police departments. And and that was the 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 the, the uh, you could say the theme of all of the protests I led was to talk about corporatocracy, to talk about America and America's problems through the, the prism of corporatocracy and a global corporate community and these bigger, broader political ideas. And at these protests, we didn't have a single fight, a single fire or a single arrest. And, and I was proud of that. And that's certainly a little bit different than the narrative that Candace shared in her documentary around the protests. And I and I, and I, I agree with Candace, right? I'm not Candace Owens' biggest fan by any means, and her 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 disposition and her voice is kind of hard for me to listen to for an extended period of time. And and I don't say that disparaging because I really do believe Candace Owens has the potential to be a, a transformative cultural figure in our society, but but she's going to have to sort through a few of these things I'm about to address. Uh, she's right, no doubt. Two things can be true at once. And anytime I hear a person say two things can be true at the same time, I'm already listening. I'm already giving you some respect because you're dealing with the nuances that 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 um, that that are that cause society, much of society's problems. So as soon as she came out and said, look, two things can be true at the same time. George Floyd's life, you could look at it and objectively say this person was not an exemplary citizen, and therefore we shouldn't consider him to be some some uh, you know iconic hero, right? Some iconic cultural hero. But at the same time, Derek Chauvin does deserve some punishment for the role that he played in the the things and events that transpired on that day, and so I respect that. But here's the real here's the real deal. I don't like the juxtaposition, Jason. I don't even like that the framework is so focused on who Jared George Floyd was, who Derek Chauvin was, what uh, transpired on that day, and and what the 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 story that that came out of it was right. And that was the premise of the documentary. I will agree that the George Floyd situation was used. Well, here here, let's not ask who George Floyd was or who Derek Chauvin was. Let's ask one central question. Were the people that they're showing in these clips who were exhibiting this social un and civil unrest, was their discontentment warranted? And the answer is unequivocally yes. Their discontentment is certainly warranted. The problem is that the establishment misled and focused their energy on a faulty narrative on a narrative that's not only false in its general premise about police and black people, but it's certainly a look away and distraction from the bigger, broader corruption that prevails our society. And Candace is smart enough, in my opinion, she is smart enough to have that conversation, but for some reason she continues not to. And I don't think that that's by accident. Um, so I thought the documentary did okay. It was, it was, it was well produced, but it didn't tackle the larger the larger question, the necessary question. And the necessary question that I know from being on the ground level, Jason, was that what the what the person said in the documentary is true. It wasn't about George Floyd. 
And let me let me throw another thing to you. While all these conservatives have all this pushback about the protesting and the and the riots and chaos and looting and all that stuff around the George Floyd issue, let's ask another fundamental question. Who were the first people to break the unconstitutional, unscientifically warranted lockdowns from the state? That would be us. That would be me uh, and, and the other BLM and Antifa protesters who I had never met in my life but showed up on this day. Before that, all the conservatives were sitting pent up in their apartments following the rule of law and waiting for Fauci to come out to the podium and lie to them so that they could, I don't know, call their relatives from a, city, a, a, a town away and go, can you believe this? But none of them hit the streets. There were no massive counter. There were no massive uh, uh, uprisings and civil unrest about the lockdowns. When we took to the streets on May 29th, um, 2020, that was the first time that people said, F- the lockdowns. This is bullshit. Now, it was under the wrong auspices. It was under the wrong motivation and, and intent. And it didn't have the full understanding that, that, I, that, that I had at the time. But that's exactly why I went to the belly of the beast and said, this is what we need to be focused on. So, you know, it, it, it was a good documentary, but it missed some things. Mm. I, I want, you said a mouthful. I, I think if I were to ask for clarification or ask if I'm hearing you right, I, I, I think you're saying that the documentary tried to do too much. It, it needed to narrow its focus and debating George Floyd and Derek Chauvin either do a full documentary on that right or leave it alone and just because again my contention is leave it alone and just debate or expose here's how the George Floyd situation was used here's the after when he get killed on May 26th or something like that here's what happened May 27th and on and here's whose lives got destroyed. And here's a TV reporter who's married to a policeman, blah, blah, blah. Here's, they used the money to fund all these transgender and LGBT yeah. movement and all this other stuff. Focus yeah. on that. Don't, yeah. that, cause that's what, when, when they went into the defense of Derek Chauvin within the first 30 minutes, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. You're, you're just demanding that people turn their TVs off or put their and, laptops and look, down or whatever. Look, 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 look. This is this is the real talk, man. Stephen Jackson's my boy. He's my coworker. That's my brother. We if, if 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 something went down and I was right there next to him and it was a matter of, of physically defending ourselves, I'm gonna have his back. That's just the, the truth. So when the George Floyd thing popped off, it was personal to me, and I'd be remiss not to say that I had a personal connection to the issue on a more intimate level than most people. But as I sat and watched the trial, as as I sat even in the waking days and thought about and watched the video. Do I understand the pre- the prevalence of evil and evil spiritness and violence and corruption and all? Yeah, yeah, but but you still feel bad in a sense. I mean, I don't. I'm not empathomanic about people's circumstance, but there anybody human, you know, has that moment where they go, "Man, this dude, Derek Chauvin, you know, you you gotta feel some sort of um, sympathy for for that person too." Right. And and so, you know, and I might catch a lot of flack for that, but I'm just saying that the real question that needed to be asked is. When it comes to what's wrong with our country, 
are Derek Chauvin and George Floyd the symbol of it, or are they a byproduct? And see, that's the fundamental question that most people don't want to have to ask because usually it takes you to a place in your own thoughts where you have to confront your role in the in the normalcy of the corruption that has become our society. And most people aren't willing to do that. Right. So they don't want to even have to ask that question. And Candace and many of the conservative movement. Not coincidentally, like to keep the conversation around these superficial vectors. And and I'm just skeptical of that. And I'm cynical about that because, you know, again, what what good does it do to to say whether Derek Chauvin was wrong or not or whether George Floyd was wrong or not at this point? At this point, what we should be focused on, and I think the documentary didn't touch on this enough, is the implications of the situation and and the the money that was spent on the trans the trans uh, gender stuff was the most interesting part to me. I mean, as a person who was out there in the streets and was 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 uh you know side by side with these people, the fact that this money was being raised off of what I felt like in the streets was a genuine call for change is super alarming and and very uh, uh, disappointing. And many people who went out into those streets, here's another thing. Look, when 20,000 people show up, BLM didn't pay those people, okay? There might be, I know that the Antifa and BLM movement is is connected um, on a nationwide basis in a very covert and underground way, but the George Floyd thing was something different. I mean, the, the, the masses of people that came out for that specific thing, was not was not BLM coordinated. It just wasn't. Now, the coverage of it from the mainstream media helped stoke the fire for people to have an emotional opinion and an interest. But it all came on the tail end of a lockdown and people fail to remember that we were in full blown lockdown with complete uncertainty about the 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 implications of COVID-19 and whether or not people were going to start dying in mass troves or whether we were going to get through to the other side after two weeks of being locked down. And then the George Floyd thing happened. And then people said, the hell with lockdowns. We're done. We're not doing it. So there was much more cultural and, and political implication there. And again, Candace and the conservative movement, what they want to say is, if you follow the law, if you comply, if, if George Floyd would adjust that day, he'd still be here. That may, may, that may help you sleep well at night. But the truth is that Kanye West just got kicked out of J.P. Morgan, that Alex Jones was just fined a billion dollars, that uh, Pfizer just came out and said we never had any data that there was that that, that the uh, vaccine uh, stopped human to human transmission. You could follow the law all you want. You could comply with law enforcement in the state all you want. And eventually you're going to be locked up in your apartment just like you were in the days after covid. And then nine months later, you're going to complain and say this was unfair. And Candace's overarching um, overarching message or, or what's been a central part of her message is you're not oppressed. You're not oppressed. Stop being out in the streets marching and protesting because you're not really oppressed. You live in America. You live in the most wealthy country in history. That's not true. Don't say that. That's not the right position. You are oppressed. There is a corrupt system and they have taken advantage of you. They have uh, siphoned off and pirated your tax money and sent it to Afghanistan and the Ukraine or wherever. I don't else think she disagree with any of that second part. I, I, I don't think she I think she thinks that there's an oppression going on. 
She just but thinks both, that but, people but see, are being hoodwinked. But no, the question, no, I understand that. But the question is, in what set of circumstances could you or I lay out that would have us believe Candace Owens would take to the front lines in a way that said revolution? Where was Candace Owens on January 6th? Listen, there's a whole bunch of conservatives. I, I out get there your point. I get your point. I get your point. But not as a man, I'm not going to tell a woman and a mother. No, I know. Run out to the front lines on this stuff, because in, in her mind and in reality, she is on the front line of an issue. She's getting some major blowback. She's getting a major blowback from pushing against the George Floyd narrative. She, she you know, her life is far more complicated because of the state again uh, is far more complicated because of her position on yeah. George Floyd well, and, the, and the, the whole go ahead. My, my point is it shouldn't complicate your life to tell the truth. And the bottom line is we have to make a decision right now. And we're at the end game, right? And this is my whole point here. This is all I'm saying. It's not even about Candace. What I'm saying is that the conservative movement has this, you know, this motif of uh, convivialness and, and, and cordialness about how we change this country. And, and the, the enemy, the oppressor, uh, is showing in, in blatant terms that they will not stop. They're not going to stop because you, because you call them out on a contradiction. They live in the realm of contradiction. They thrive in the realm of contradiction. That's the source of their power. The source of their power is to just to say one thing and contradict it and do it with a level of, of, of uh, self-righteousness. So I'm not talking about Candace or the women. I'm just talking about all of these conservative commentators. What set of circumstances could we come up with where you would take to the streets for any issue? Put George Floyd aside. And then you would go, well, if they steal an election. But most of y'all didn't come out for that. And, and in fact, most of our conservatives in the country have cucked and, and supported the Democrat establishment and the rhino establishment uh, vilifying and demonizing January 6th protesters. OK, so when are y'all going to be ready? Pfizer lied. They're taking one of the lead uh, conservative voices that's been on air for 20 plus years. Alex Jones. They're trying to railroad him. Steve Bannon's going to jail next. OK, Kanye West, who's a, 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 a you know, a, a, <laughs> an anomaly, a unicorn. He's getting debanked. What will it take for these people to actually get up off of their couches, stop talking about Fox News talking points and get out in the streets? Because my answer is let BLM do whatever they want to do. When I went out in front of the Federal Reserve, there should have been thousands of conservatives out there saying this black man is right. The Federal Reserve and economic tyranny is what we need to be need to be. But they were more interested in saying George Floyd was a drug addict. And they'll be saying it in these comments. That's where they're focusing. George Floyd was on fentanyl. Where's fentanyl coming from? Woody Johnson, Donald Trump, who I support. Donald Trump, who I support running for president in 2024. I believe the nation needs him. Brought Woody Johnson up before the entire American, uh, the, the, the entire nation and sang his praises. Johnson, forget the vaccine. Let's not talk about the vaccine yet. Johnson and Johnson is the number one importer of fentanyl. This is an opium war and they all know it. So we just we have a crisis of leadership and that's all I'm saying. Candace, do better.
do better, so, honey, because you can. Royce, I have to, I have to ask this, and and you know, I know you can handle it, but someone listening might say that or watching might say like Candace Owens documentary exposes Black Lives Matters as a fraud and that they use the money to support transgender and LGBT issues. Yeah. And that Royce is deflecting because people was, you were part, they're saying Royce is perhaps embarrassed that he was a part of that movement in any way, maybe not directly, but no. by participating in those George Floyd protests, it's yeah. almost like you were co-signing for Black Lives Matter and no. it's a scam organization. Are you defensive about that? No, actually, actually, I was I took the Bible to the front line of Black Lives Matter and I made those BLM activists who are Marxists and atheists. I made them say the Lord's Prayer. That's 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 ministry. That's what the Christian conservative movement has forgotten. You've abandoned your post. You thought that you'd be able to go out to the suburbs or rural America or wherever it is that these Democrats have taken over and we're going to die if we go to our cars in the middle of the day. Uh, and oh, OK, well, then that's why the entire country has become a neoliberal Marxist globalist nation, because we've abandoned our post. We don't have any we don't have any faith. It's not that they are faithless. We get that. But we don't have any faith in the gospel. Because if we did, the conservatives would have been right out there to rebuke and refute. But they weren't. I stood alone and I decried the BLM movement. If you go back and you pull up some of the um, you know, times where I spoke in front of the Fed, in front of U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, the Viking Stadium, where the tax money went to build it. I'm saying the BLM organization is a scam. This is a scam. This ain't about the, the, who, who are these transgender a- activists that came from out of town? Y'all don't get to talk. I'm going to speak. You sit there and be quiet. Here's my 25 security guards with, with AR-15s. And, and in short order, they tried to, you know, get me off of the front line and get me out of the leadership role. Um, so I have no, I have no uh, regrets or any shame about leading. That's what leadership should look like. But it won't look like that if you believe that the country should stay split and that the nation's um, the nation's destiny is whatever comes from that split nation. The confrontation will have to happen. You will have to pick up your Bible and go back into the belly of the beast and change hearts and minds or the Satanism will come to you. So. One of the things that hit me hardest watching a documentary was the George Floyd autonomous zone that basically has been turned into a religious-like shrine for George Floyd. It's embarrassing, in my view. It's, it's sacrilegious, it's satanic. And, and, and I'm just wondering, having been out there on the front lines using George Floyd as a platform, does, does what the way this culture has made George Floyd basically black Jesus. What do you think about that? Well, I just, I disagree with that. Again, I think that's playing into the WWE politics of the whole matter. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't agree that George Floyd um, should have become 
this this iconic image that he's become. I agree with Candace on that. And to be clear, I agree with Candace on a lot of those things. It, my, my argument and gripe isn't with the, the technicalities of what she said or the accuracy. My gripe is with the fact that all of these very intelligent conservatives know what the deep issue is and they dance around it. They, they dance around it. They're not willing to say, many of them are not willing to say that liberalism, communism, and globalism are all fruit from the same tree, that they all have the same aim. Why? Because on the conservative side, they're in on the scam of liberalism. They want people to believe that liberalism is different than communism or globalism. It's not. It, it's, it's just not. It's, 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 it's a three-card Monty, to, to, for lack of a better term. So, again, am I... Am I in agreement that George Floyd should have become the icon that he became? No, not at all. But the cent- again, the question we need to ask is not about George Floyd. The question should be about citizenship versus the state. And yes, George Floyd is clearly somebody who had a criminal past. Am I a Roman citizen? Do I deserve a day in the court of law? Absolutely. It, Moses was a murderer. I mean, these, these things we've gotten so far away from And we didn't get far away from them for any other reason that we don't want to have to confront the responsibility of freedom and American citizens. Say it this way. America hasn't failed us. America didn't fail black people. America hasn't failed white people, working class people, Latinos, the elderly, the young, the gay, the straight, the faithful, the faithless. America didn't fail us. We failed America. And we will continue to fail America unless we can stop pandering to the cheap talking points and the cheap perspectives and get down to the nitty gritty. The United States of the Federal Reserve, the Fed is going to inflate the currency, crash the currency, and 10 months people won't be able to eat. Or in order to eat, you'll have to take a transgender uh, social credit score mark or chip or whatever it is they come up with passport those are the important things over the hill all these wedge issues are just for people to bicker back and forth oh george was on fentanyl or Derek chauvin knew him or blah 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 blah. stop all that you talk about the real thing these people want to come and take your citizenship do you want to be a citizen and carry the responsibility or do you want to end up in the gulags I mean, we're getting down to that point when the when a when a show trial like alex jones's happens and they award the family a billion dollars to blatantly try and derail a conservative voice that's been speaking the truth for 20 years, these people should be in the streets in outrage today, like right now. But they're not. They don't want that smoke. And I want the people who want that smoke. That's all I'm saying. So the other thing, my other takeaway last night, I mentioned it earlier on the show, is I thought this documentary could have benefited from a broader perspective of voices. Yeah. Uh, not just, you know, she went on and interviewed some people, uh, and, and I'm not saying this to gas you up, but to me, your voice needed to be in this documentary. That if you're really Appreciate interested that. in understanding Minneapolis and this issue, and so I'm, if she had asked you to participate in some sort of way, would you have? Of course. No, I, and I, look, I like Can- my my critique of Candace. I like Candace uh, in, in many. I think Candace has a courage that mo- that most people don't have. Now, where her and I as two rising conservative voices would disagree and would critique each other's approach is a steel sharpened steel um, sort of method that has to happen and we have to embrace. But I would have I would have 
of course I would have spoke on the documentary. And I, what I would have brought is the is is exactly what I'm trying to bring to our audience that I've continued to try and bring is let's ask the deeper question. Let's not let the mainstream establishment dangle an ornament in front of us to fight over and twirl it around and we get caught up in that and mesmerized by it while they steal our money, while they steal our while they steal our our rights. Um and and yeah, I think I think I think Candace would be open to that and would agree with some of that. Now, if I was involved in the production of the documentary, I would have made that the focus because George Floyd being on fentanyl or his criminal history or all of that. I mean, that's that, look when your government's stealing, everybody steals. Jason, I've told you this before. When your government is stealing, everybody's stealing. And, and I'll say this in, a, in the conjunction with that. I'm from Minneapolis. That woman, that sergeant who got up there and said that the Minneapolis Police Department is a fine police department, she's lying. Okay? And two things can be true at once. The black community in Minneapolis is out of control. Completely out of control. No sacred honor, no faith, no dignity, no pride, no humanity. But the Minneapolis Police Department isn't, isn't, uh, isn't a standing beacon of law enforcement. And so these are the, these are the points that should be should be hit on and drilled home. Understand the 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 pinball machine that they're trying to put you in so that you can't ask the right questions and then be armed and 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 have the information you need to exercise your citizenship in the most optimal way. That's what I wanted. That's why I brought the BLM activists to the Fed. I wanted to see which people would walk off when we got there. And to my surprise, none of them did. <laughs> They stood there. They're like, well, what is he going to say about this place? You know why? Because they don't know about it. They came up in Marxist public schools. They came up within the Marxist public schools that are in uh, co-conspiring with the neoliberal establishment to keep the financial and the social completely separate in the mind and purview of the average American citizen. They don't want to talk about a debt society versus an equity society. And when I say the word equity as a political uh, a political voice, I'm talking about financial equity. I'm talking about being an, uh, an equity society versus being a debt society. When they talk about equity, they're talking about social equity. And there's a reason why the two lexicons don't cross. That's the scam. Thank you, Royce. Awesome job. I'm probably going to try to get you back tomorrow to talk about Alex Jones. Uh, but awesome job. Thank you as always. I hear tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the freedom that we have left. No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seeds When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want